Big Mike here with Hayes Entertainment. We got Canada's country star here, Aaron Perchette. If you like what we're doing, you hit the subscribe button. Shouts out to our sponsors. Woo! Hey, this is Aaron Perchette, and I'm coming up next on I Only Touch Greatness Podcast. My boys! This is the hottest place, 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 With Ryan Hayes and Big, Big Mike, Mike, and hold my beer while I kiss your girlfriend, cause she needs a real man, not a boy like you, hold my beer, yeah I'm a man on a mission, you don't see what you're missing, but I do, so here, hold my beer, cause everybody's got a little dirt road in them, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, we all bring a little small town with us, no matter where your sun goes down, everybody's got a tailgate, even if it ain't on the back of some pickup truck, past the fried chicken. Everybody's got a little dirt going on. Off the bartender pours. Let's get rowdy. College girls to cowboys. We came here to make noise. Turn it on and turn it up, boys. Let's get rowdy. Out of the blue. Splashing in the bright blue water like a burning blue flame couldn't get any hotter. Oh, the blue eyes are making me wanna do tonight under that blue moon. Hey, look at this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right there. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, how's it going, man? Good boys, how you doing? Good. Good I'm good. Ryan. I'm Ryan, by the way, who you've been talking to, and that's I'm Big Mike. Mike. Big Mike, gotcha. I know who you nice got. Nice to meet you. You too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think we've been around. We ran into each other a few times, maybe just through some friends. I've got a couple good stories that uh, you'll know. You'll you'll know our friend in common. Oh yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. And, <laughs> Here we go. And no, then, it's all uh, good stuff. <laughs> it's all it, it's all funny stuff. Yeah. Good. Um, and before we start here, man, the girls were loving my post today, and then you shared it, and then all these hearts, and the girls are sending me all these hearts. Jeez. We, we got a lot of hearts surrounding us, buddy. That's all uh, I have. Exactly. That's exactly. And finally, they're, 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 all the women are going to be watching this episode for sure because of you, of course. It's finally got somebody better looking than myself on here. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All Thanks right. for having me. I appreciate that. This is uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, sorry, it was so long in the making, but lots of different things were happening with the website and some uh, some changes here and there. And you know, but eventually we got we get to share our uh, our love for the Canucks and and talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. All righty. That's so all that matters, man. We're happy to have you. Thanks a lot for taking the time today for us. We appreciate by it. By the way, I was 
gonna wear that jersey. Oh right. yeah, that, that's a that's beauty. The, that's the flying V Pedersen, right? That's the yeah, that's Petey's right there. Yeah, I, I got my autographed one on the wall. Love it. And I'm not autographed yet, but so. oh, okay. Yeah, my my bester's autographed too, and Mike's got all his autographs too. Yeah. So you're born in Vancouver or was that in a suburb? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Wikipedia, sometimes it does not know what's going on. Uh, I don't know who's, who's signing in under me, but it says I was born at Terrace. I lived in Kitimat for a long time, played hockey against Terrace a lot, but never lived in Terrace. and uh, was definitely not born there. I was born in the Coup, uh, Vancouver, many, many years ago. And uh, I've lived all over the province, but um Never Terrace. <laughs> Wait, what was your childhood like growing up? You know what? I, I, it was kind of, as you'll read in a book one day, I hope. Um, well, the book will be written. I just hope you'll read it. Uh, I, was, uh, I was born in Vancouver, but I was adopted at two and kind of moved all over the place from there on. And lived in Kitimat, lived in uh, North Delta, moved to Edmonton for three months. Thankfully, I didn't stay there. Nothing against the people of Edmonton. They're great. <laughs> landscape when you move from the mountains of the ocean to flatland a little depressing when you're 12 years old and then I moved down to the coast uh, back down to the coast north delta Langley uh, Abbotsford for uh, many many years and uh, and then I moved over to Little Island Gabriola lived in Kelowna for a while and now I, I live in uh, not Nanano been here two years okay what uh, sports did you play uh, growing up well there was only one sport so when I was a kid, uh, it's a little different from you guys. You're a lot younger than I am. And when I was a kid, I was one of those ones that grew up with two channels. There was uh, BC TV and CBC, and that was it. So all I ever got to watch <clears throat> uh, originally for the first few years was hockey. I mean, they didn't air baseball. They didn't air any other sports. Uh, they had highlights. But that's about it. But aside from that, hockey was something I, I was enthralled with uh, as a child and I guess all the movement on, on this white screen growing up, um, I grew a serious passion for hockey and still have it to this day. And it's been flowing through my blood, but I did play, um, I did play a little bit of baseball uh, and I played a little bit of soccer. Um, and I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, my body just loved athletics. So I ran, I was, I'm short so I can, I uh, have these stumpy little legs that actually uh, go pretty quick. <laughs> like yeah. either, but Mike, you know my Mike's like 10 feet. Mike's like 10 feet tall and I'm like five feet tall. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I played pretty much a, a number of all kinds of different sports. Uh, but the one that, that, like I said, I used to sleep in my hockey gear when I was a kid, when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, I would sleep in my hockey gear just to get ready to go to practice in the next morning. And I remember uh, I skated when I lived in Kitimat, it was really cold every winter uh, when I was a kid. It's not so much now, but when I was a kid, we, we would have layers of ice over the road. So I would literally skate to and from practice. So yeah, it's, it's still something that I live with now. And then to be able to, you know, live my dream in different aspects with the, with the Canucks. Um, they're my, they're my team through and through no matter what. So yeah, it's, it's it, pretty awesome. I was just going to say, what was it like uh, singing the anthem at the Canucks games? And obviously uh, you're part of the alumni as well. Yeah. The first time I did the anthem at the Canucks game, uh, it was literally a dream come true. And, and I brought my oldest son, Jordan with me. 
because I, he's a huge Canucks fan. If you ever want to interview somebody else too, um, Jordan is a massive Canucks fan. He happens to be now with an Edmonton Oilers fan. But uh, anyway, so they, they, uh, they talk a lot. But Jordan came with me. And when we walked out onto that ice for the first time, and there's 20,000 people or however many, 18, eight, uh, it could have been four. And I was just beside myself that, you know, I'm, I'm singing at my, my hero team's home game and on that ice that they play on, even though I played my entire life, uh, it was a real surreal moment and it, it was a dream come true. And I've done it several times since. Actually, they gave me this jersey in particular one night uh, after my 12th time in 2012. They, nice. Uh, they gave me the 12 jersey, which is pretty cool. My number is 77, but used to be seven. But now that I'm on the Canuck alumni, I can't go with seven because of some guy named Rudy Mount Reeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and to play on the Canuck alumni is when, – when I got that email, I thought it was a joke uh, because it was about six years ago, five years ago. And I'd done lots of charity games, you know, I played in lots of charity games and I kind of got known as one of those guys that was like, wow, he came from out of nowhere. He can actually play hockey and uh, because of my love for it, I guess. And uh, when the Canucks approached me on, you know, do you want to be a member of our team? I was thrown right off. Like, well, I can't believe this is just a joke. And to be, you know, I kind of made friends with some of these guys already with Ronning Babbage, McLean, you know, the list goes on, Yerke Lume. And uh, we all have this interesting connection that, and most athletes that you have on here or musicians will say the opposite of each other. If I had the opportunity to be a, a hockey player, pro hockey player, I would have, you know, I would have said no to this music industry BS. And I think the other way around for the hockey players too, they say, you know, if we, if we had an opportunity to be a musician, we would have loved to. So um, anyways, when they, when they sent me the request to, uh, to be an associate member, which is just, you know, because I didn't play in professional hockey uh, to be on the team, I was just like, wow, this is, I can't believe it. And that first time going into the change room and not being a charity game and we're just playing pickup and all of these ex NHL dudes are out there. Uh, whether they played for the Canucks or guys like Gary Nyland that I know that are, you know, didn't play for the Canucks, but he was, I, I remember him as a kid and, and watching him and, you know, being uh, blown away by the fact that I'm with this huge dude on ice and it's a guy <laughs> I watched growing up. So you can imagine. And, uh, and then the first time uh, playing on the Rogers arena ice was you know, I got to go do the anthem, sure. But now you're playing hockey with these NHL legends uh, on on Rogers Arena ice surface. It's just crazy. Mike, we brought, me and Mike have seen you, I believe, at an alumni event before. I, yep. Yep. I, I believe did. I was the Hockey Fights the Homeless, I believe. At UBC? Yeah, yeah, we played there. Um, we did, uh, yeah, I just go out there and play with uh, with whatever team picks you. And uh, I, I wasn't a part of the uh, the top 20 draft picks because nobody thought, you know, country singer is going to be able to no. stand up straight on skates and, and just so happened that I could. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, definitely a lot of charity events like that. And I'm, I'm glad you guys come out and support uh, and really what it's all about for me and my career is going well you know what I, I've, I've managed to make a name for myself in, in music and and it's 
the best way to possibly give back is lend your name towards something that's going to help raise more money for uh, awareness of any charity involved and especially hockey helps the homeless and uh and many other charities that are out there that i support thanks for helping out guys yeah, yeah no of course worries. mike i'm gonna so shoot what? this next one yeah okay so you were a dj at roosters sure was first yeah. one yeah, you were there for a while. You were also on stage many times. Uh, do, you were the cover band for a long time, were you not? Yeah, so as the story goes, and believe me, if, if I'm going on too long in any stories, just tell me to shut the hell up and I have no hey, we got till, we got, we got till six. We got till 6 o'clock, but we can push them later too. <laughs> the story might take till 6. Uh, so what uh, what that was is I, was, uh, I just got my career kind of started. I was playing with a band, but nothing too serious. And uh, I was making some money on the side and DJing at this little pub in Langley. Um, and that, you know, that was just a couple hundred bucks every week. But then I got approached by some guys said this new club's opening up in Pitt Meadows and uh, wondering if you're interested in coming out and possibly being the DJ for it. And I'm like, well, I'm not really a DJ, man. I'm like, a, you know, I'm a country singer and I want to get my country career going, but I do need the money. And they offered a good amount of money back then. This was 1996. So I said, uh, okay, well, cool. Let me take a look. Went to the bar as it was being built and went, wow, this is really cool. This is something completely different. Uh, and then, yeah, in uh, October of 1996, uh, we opened. I was there for the night before the actual opening for a private party for the owners and all their friends. Yeah. And then the next night was the opening night. We had, you know, I think the capacity was 328 or something, 329. We had about... 300 in there and then from every night on for about six months next to nobody like it was just shocking and uh but we didn't see what was coming because slowly it got bigger and bigger we had bull riding which you know they promoted yeah. sometimes as topless bull riding which really was a huge thing with the guys and girls it was pretty crazy <laughs> it was the 90s man we were allowed yeah. to blame them in the 90s but um yeah so then uh, i started playing with my band uh, as well. And I, I would take the week off and play at Roosters with the band. And I would play at Gabby's in Boone County at the time. And Fuck all these bars that were open. Yeah, Boone County. Yeah, that's, yeah the that's, good old Boone. Boone we're, County. We're, yeah, we're all from a couple blocks from Boone County, right by the John B. Pub. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I know it well. I know. Yeah. And there's lots of yours, John B. Yeah. Um, they, they have done They have done the past ones. We're trying to get secure the money before we oh, can okay. uh, keep this moving forward. Well, thanks for the support in the past. Anyway. Yeah, they're uh, great. So then uh, I, we thought, well, we're going to be up against some pretty tough competition here. But, you know, and then the owner said, well, you can't play Gabby's Boone County and and, uh, and anywhere else for that matter if you're going to play here. So we decided, well, we'll try it out for a couple months. <clears throat> and uh, we were starting to bring people in. And it was really starting to help. And then it picked up. And then uh, we started Sunday nights. And originally it was just a jam. It was a live jam and that was okay, but it really wasn't doing much. We, uh, we started playing with the band full time and then uh, uh, on Sundays, and then we dropped the price of booze, dropped the price of uh, Corona's in particular. $2. Coronas. $2 Corona's <laughs> and five cent wings. That's right. Yeah. The five cent wings, of course. And then boom, the place just lit up. And, and from then on, it was, uh, it was legendary. It was things dreams are made of to, to be able to work there. And, and honestly, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I worked there last uh, March 28, 2004. I know the exact date. 
and it was the busiest night they'd ever had. We had 600 packed in the, in the building, 600 people outside that never got in that some of them waited from noon onwards to get in. Wow. And, uh, it was, it was just nuts like that all the time. And, and, uh, so glad, so glad to be a part of it all. And I always get people coming out, we used to go to Roosters. I met my wife at Roosters. So it's, it's cool to be a part of that history. And that's, that's for sure. And you know, they just closed down as well. The, uh, our friend in common, like I was saving it for the end, but we brought up the stage. Sunday nights at Roosters used to sing Ozzy's Crazy Train with my girl L.A. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I thought you, and that's the first person I thought of when they said, when you said Five Cent Wings. She was the one who really pushed for that way back in the day. And uh, she's she's phenomenal. I love Linda. Linda Ann's been amazing and always getting up there going, I, I, I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I got a couple more stories for later on. We want to get through the good ones first. Um, Mike, what's, what started? Yeah, what started you with uh, country music? Like, how did you get into it? Or who was most influential in your career? Oh, man. Uh, well, I got into listening to country in the late 80s. Uh, it was Randy Travis. And before that, it was like, I knew who Johnny Cash was. And I appreciated his music, but wasn't a fan. Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, uh, Willie Nelson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Dolly Parton. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't gain as much respect for them until later on when I understood what their purpose was in the music industry. It wasn't just to put out pop music that, you know, bubblegum uh, sort of type of music. Um, Randy Travis came along in about 1986, 87. And I was like, who is this guy? What's his deal? I think I like him. I think he sounds really cool. It was something different. And I think there was a pop spin on it at the time. If you listen now, it's like, wow, it's really traditional old sounding country. But at that time it was sort of new and modern. And uh, I kind of got in this Randy Travis kick and this is the late eighties. So I wasn't singing at all. I didn't, I didn't actually start singing till 1991. I didn't even know I could sing till 1991. And as the story goes, uh, listening to country music all the time, I got into Cliff Black, I got into uh, uh, Alan Jackson. And again, the list just goes on and on and on with all these different artists that I listen to all the time. And uh, uh, eventually when I started singing, it was like, man, uh, this is where I'm kind of going. And I, I do have a story if you really want to know it, how I got into the country music industry in British Columbia and then eventually Canada uh, in specific. So it was, um, I was doing karaoke at the time. I was running my own karaoke and that's how I got into the industry is I went to this karaoke with my mom and my mom's like, get up and sing a song for me. I'm like, <laughs> my sister sings, not me. I'm not the singer. She is. And uh, she said, just sing a song for me. Pick one out of the book. And I was like, I don't even know how to do this karaoke thing. It was brand new at the time. So I pick a song out. And of course I choose the toughest song you could possibly pick uh, at the time. It, I can't believe I even did it now. Uh, it's called uh, "Been uh, Waiting for a Girl Like You from Foreigners. I've been waiting for a girl like you. It's like the toughest song you could possibly sing. So I, after singing it, I vibrate back to my chair because I'm just, I can't believe I sang in front of anyone. And there's probably only five people there. Uh, and then uh, the guy that ran the show came up and said, hey, man, do you want to you work for me doing this stuff? And I was like, what? Not just sort of groom. And then skip ahead about two years. 
And I'd had lots of experience singing. And when I did karaoke, I did everything. I did not just country, I sang every genre you can imagine to, you know, all the way up to Frank Sinatra, to Metallica, and we did it all. And uh, I, I sang it all. So she came up to me one night and said, hey, I entered you in a singing contest. I was like, what? She said, I paid the 20 bucks, you have to go in it. I said, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. She said, there's a talent search going on at Gabby's for country, uh, country singers. And I was like, I don't really sing country. I listen to a lot of country, but I wouldn't say I'm a country singer. And she said, you have to go, you have to go in it. So I went in this competition, never played with a band before, and it was with a live band. So I'm going, you know, this is a joke. There's no way I'm ever going to even get past this first round. Well, I did. I was one of the three or four qualifiers for the next round. Go through that round, win. Go to the next round. Anyways, there's about six, six different stages to get to the BC finals. And I start winning all of these, or I'm part of winning all of them. And I uh, go to the BC finals, and it's whoever wins at the BC finals goes to the Canadian finals in Halifax, or Hamilton uh, that year, 1993. And uh, I'm like, you know, I can't believe I'm still going here. Like, I don't even know. I know these songs, but I don't know how to sing with the band properly. And all I did was just get up there and try and entertain them. I mean, I'm not the best singer. And I'm definitely not the best songwriter or musician by any means. But I, that's what it's in my blood since I since I was young. Hockey and being an entertainer and, and uh, got up there and just kind of BS them the whole way through, you know, and, and before you knew it. I went to the Canadian finals. I didn't, I didn't place in the Canadian finals. Paul Brandt, he's a Canadian, huge Canadian country artist. Uh, he was the Alberta rep. I was the BC rep. He came in second, um, but then he turned out to be Paul Brandt. <laughs> it, took me, it took me about 10 years later. And actually, side story, I ran into Paul in 2004, and this was well after he established himself as, uh, you know, the, the Canadian legend that he is in country music. And, uh, we were at a, a hotel in, in Toronto on the waterfront and we were both doing this festival. It was my first real year touring and doing any kind of shows, big shows. And it was a Canada day show for CMT. And he comes up to me in the hotel and just says, it's about time you got here. <laughs> I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate well, it. That was a project you. discovery. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Now, now project, well, project discovery was 2001. And that's how you you lost to Paul Brent. You lost to Paul Brent, though I believe in the first and that was, and then like, you won it the next year. But you won it the next yeah, year. Yeah, so 1993, I, I didn't place at all. That was the Bug Country Town Search, and then in 2001, after playing clubs for years and years, um, I went into the Project Discovery and won that. Okay, right on. Hey, I got a. You remember taking a Wrangler sign from Wrenchman's in Calgary after you won Project Discovery? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my buddy, I think somebody has that sign still. But hey, yes. LA has it. Does she? Oh, I do it. I, oh, yeah. I don't know. She said your, she told me your buddy's name. I forgot to write it down in my note, but she, um, yeah, she told, she told me that one for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, you know what was really cool? So I played the clubs from 1993 to 2004. And even after I'd had my success with my career, um, doing well and having videos on CMT and having lots of airplay with tons of really great songs that did extremely well from Consider This was the first one with a video. Uh, and then on to uh, 
oh, done you wrong. I can't remember. Uh, Lucky for me, lots of John Rollingwood, all these different hits that I had. I still had to play the clubs because I was, you know, basically that's the only way I could make money and hadn't been, uh, you know, uh, uh, contracted out to do any shows anywhere else in Canada at the time. So it was just local. But you know what, because of those years doing that, A, I learned how to be on stage and just go with the flow and let anything happen um, and play our songs, which I'll tell you a funny story to later. Um, but what it did is it helped us gain a huge fan base here so that when we went to Project Discovery in 2001, uh, which I didn't even want to go into this competition because after my experience of losing, I didn't want to go through that again. So I, I reluctantly entered this competition, ended up winning against stage, 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 going to the finals and winning the entire thing Canadian wide. And, uh, but the coolest thing was, is it was in Calgary. It was at the palace downtown on, on Stephen Avenue. And, uh, what I didn't understand was how far of a reach I had with these people that kept coming out week after week or you know night after night in a lot of cases to the shows and uh, the, the performances that we did our live jukebox uh playing everybody else's songs but we had a chance to do something of our own for this project discovery so we did anyhow um when we got there i thought well i'm gonna be up against some really amazing talent from across the country and i was but the thing was is that they all brought fans with them so, you know, the guy from New Brunswick had a group of six people. I'm like, man. And then the guy from Calgary, who it was his hometown, he had a group of about 15 people. My group of people that came, uh, they, they actually had to book two WestJet jets. They actually <laughs> chartered two WestJet jets. We had over 300 people from Vancouver come to the show, come to this competition. And even if I, even if I sang in German and, you know, was butt naked, there's no way I was gonna lose that. <laughs> I think if I, if I lost, my crowd was so crazy that they would have stormed, you know, the, the judges table and flipped it over and, and there would have been a big Donnybrook. But it was pretty cool to have that sort of support from all those amazing fans and friends including Linda Ann, LA. She's, hey. she's always such a great supporter of mine, still is, even to this day. I heard I heard about a Rooster's Christmas party where you walking around in your boxers at Tommy's. Didn't happen. Nope, we're, <laughs> edit, we're, editing, we're editing that part out. Yeah, that happened. That was 2002, I think, 2001, 2002, something like that. But yeah, yeah hey, that, sounds like a good time. It sounds like you'd be somebody great to have a couple beers with for sure. I, I must admit, I, I think I've, I've uh, got a history of having a lot of fun, and that's really what it's all about. I mean, you, again, you, you only get it one chance around this uh, this this marble that we get to spend yeah. on. Mike, what was that stuff that you were going to ask? Which one? The, uh, the drink at Roosters, the special oh, drink. Oh, yeah. How many uh, Cowboy Ops have you consumed? <laughs> uh, you know what? I bought a lot more for other people, that's for sure, but... Yeah, we had Cowboy Ups. We had, uh, I think, Shark Bite was one of uh, the the uh, one of our bartenders at the time. He came up with that. It was a little sour, but man, was it it'll hit you like like that. <laughs> but yeah, many many nights. And you know what? To be honest, I miss those days. I miss that. I miss doing what I did there for so many years. You know, for a lot of it, I was married, and you know, went went to work straight home. But when I was single. Um, it was really a really great time. 
And I do actually miss a part of that as much as I would sit there at the time going, Oh, get me out of here. Take me somewhere else, man. This sucks. Uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over every night. A, but a really lot of the lower miss. main, a lot of the lower mainland misses roosters as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, right it, go Mike. No, I was just going to say, what's a dream venue for you or a dream performer? Like who would you like to perform with or what's a dream venue for you? I'll admit I've lived my dream. I have to admit, uh, there was, there was a list of people who I wanted to open for or tour with. And uh, what the first one was Keith Urban. He was, you know, kind of my hero. He's like, this guy's cool. He plays guitar. He's, he's got this voice. He, yeah, he's, he's, he, he epitomizes cool in country music. Um, so I've, I've done several shows with Keith Urban, and it's always been great. He's a really super nice guy. As down to earth as you hear, he is, that's for sure. Um, but the one that blew me away the most was uh, in 2016 I, uh, I I was doing a radio tour promoting a song called Dirt Road Enum and it was kind of my comeback song radio loved it <clears throat> there was so much hype behind it and uh, it, it was it was really momentous for me in my career to come back I call it my resurgence so I hadn't had a hit in almost 10 years and then Dirt Road Enum came along but I was doing a radio tour across the country and a friend of mine from the uh, Regina radio station, who I was going to see two days after that, called me two days before. And he said, hey, it's Mike. I'm, uh, I'm just calling because prep, doing some prep for the interview that we're going to do because you're going to I was going to co-host the morning show. So I was like, OK, yeah, cool. He goes, uh, so we're going to be doing two interviews that morning and you can choose which one that you want. So the first one and, you know, both these guys are kind of weird, but. You choose who you want. He goes, the first one is, um, is uh, uh, Father Seamus O'Flanagan, and he's getting a head start on his bake sale for Christmas. And I'm like, it's April. <laughs> and, yeah. And the other one is Garth Brooks. So you can choose who you want to, you know, interview that day. And I was like, what? <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows be long before I was a singer, I was a Garth Brooks fan. Huge huge Garth Brooks fan. I knew so much about him. Did you know his real name is Troil? It's not Garth. Garth's his middle name. Anyway, so little things like that. And uh, I'm like, wow, this, uh, I've never gotten the opportunity to meet him. Never even been close to him. Cool. I get to talk to him on the phone. That's going to be great. So get to the radio station two days later and I was allowed to ask him one question. I thought, well, I'm going to ask him two and I'll just ask him you know, first, uh, where, where were you that moment that you knew Friends in Low Places was going to be a huge hit? Like for me, I was in, uh, in Dauphin, Manitoba when I, I heard people singing back, hold my beer to me. So I was like, you know, where were you in that moment? And, he, uh, and then the second question was going to be, so uh, can I give you my uh, agent's contact info? And, you know, <laughs> 50 bucks. Anyway, so he, uh, he came on the radio that morning. I was really nervous because I knew I was going to ask him this question. And my, my tour manager, who was with, with me uh, for this entire trip, this radio tour, she was filming. So anyway, I'm like, yeah, hey, you know, uh, I was going to ask him. Uh, Mike, the, the DJ, said, why don't you ask him the funny one first and then ask him the serious question after. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I said, hey, uh, well, i got a question for you. Can I uh, give you my agents, uh, my management's contact information, you know, if you ever need an opener, uh, uh, I'll give you 50 bucks <laughs> and everybody laughs. And then Garth comes on the, on the microphone or on the phone and he says, well, I got a question for you, Eric. 
how'd you like to open for me at the shows in June in Saskatoon? I was like, <laughs> what? And uh, lost it. I, I completely lost it. So I got, I got to open two shows for Garth Brooks on his stage. Wow. Thursday and Sunday in Saskatoon, two months later. And I tell you, for anybody who's never met Garth Brooks and might think, you might, even watching his Netflix special, you might think, oh, this guy seems a little pretentious or he seems he's not he is absolutely down to earth he's walking around the arena uh doing card tricks for people like as we're doing set up and sound check he's he's you know doing these magic tricks which was really wild and then he came to um we had a change room well down from his so there was a his change room which was a huge uh well this was in saskatoon so it was a big big uh big change room and then there's a, a meeting area in the middle where we had dinner and then my change room, which was still fairly big, but it was further away. He came to our door probably four times, I think four times, and just by himself, just, hey, just checking on you, seeing how you're doing, making sure, like, what? Don't, you know, don't you have people who have people who do this for you? Like, <laughs> I can't believe it. And then he said, come on, have dinner. We're all having dinner down, you know, down the way here. So we went and all had dinner with him and just chatted, and he was just the nicest guy. I, I, that's the I, thing it, it sounds to me like he was somebody that took care of the artists around him like just coming to check on you and stuff and that shows where he didn't really have to give that much time to come say hello but the fact that he did people don't forget that shit sorry to swear it, no exactly i don't care if you swear i swear all the time for christ's sake yeah. anyway uh <laughs> can't keep it out of my mouth sometimes <laughs> hey but uh, one thing though as you were talking there you said that you were about your comeback that was the score album, correct? Yes, that was, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he got a Juno nominee for that country album of the year. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And again, it was from out of nowhere because I, I figured I was done. Like after 2009, 2010, I made some personnel changes that the industry really reacted to weird. And um, I, I had a really tough time with it. And I thought, well, I guess I got to get a job now. I guess, I don't know, I can pump gas. It's pretty much the only thing I can do consistently well come work with me at transit Go yeah to let's do it you still got that f-150 no i sold the f-150 uh to my cousin and uh currently have been driving around in, in, in a little audi my uh, my buddy matt august up at august motor cars in Kelowna said you need a car down there man that's and he was right i definitely need a car but i sure miss my truck <laughs> oh, super sad but i'll get another one soon actually you were signed with 604 records at one time too and chad kruger correct yep yeah yeah we uh what's I, he like i've known chad for many years and he's he's a really great guy um again one of those guys where you just assume that you know you hear scary you think he's a bit of a d-bag but he's not he's a really cool guy from you know hannah alberta middle of freaking nowhere and uh, anyways, he, uh, funny enough, um, my girlfriend and I went uh, uh, to the driving range about a month and a half ago in, in Abbotsford, randomly, totally random. And um, we'd driven by Chad's house. I said, oh, that's where Chad lives. And it looks like a hotel. It's, it doesn't even look like a house. It looks oh, like I know where it is. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. It's 30,000 square feet of, you know, monstrosity. But anyways, it's his house. So we go into this driving range and we go to collect the balls to, to uh, do our driving uh, with and practicing. And as I turn around, there's Chad. Chad's right there. 
I'm like, chat? Hey, Aaron. So we, uh, he came down where we were. And we chatted for, well, we hung out and, and whacked a bunch of balls and, uh, and chatted for about an hour and a half. And it was a Canucks game that night. And he's like, come on over. So we went over to his house and watched, uh, I brought my son, Jordan, and his girlfriend, Danielle. And uh, the five of us just sat around, had pizza, watched the Canucks game as they lost, I think. Uh, Which game was it? I would probably add it. Oh, yeah, I bet you were. Um, that was, was that not against, it was Vegas, game one, Vegas. Oh, the playoff game. Yeah. No, so there's nobody at that game. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. Yeah, you weren't at any of these games. No, no, no. No, this was just recently. So just when the, uh, it was game one of the, uh, of, um, Vegas game. You ever okay. seen the you ever seen the guy at Canuck Games that dresses up as Don Cherry? Oh, that's you. That's me. Oh yeah, I totally see it now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just take the hat off. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we're 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 both we're both big Canuck supporters, all of us. Love it. Shoot Mike. Hey hey Aaron, uh hold my beer. Obviously it's one of uh everybody's favorites. Uh what what made you make that song? Well, it was, uh, it all began <clears throat> in about 1998. I was uh, DJing at Roosters and some bull riders used to come in quite often. Um, and they're usually from like Langley, Abbotsford, Cloverdale area. And they would come in and stand right in front of the DJ booth while the, the mechanical bull was on. And you know, these guys are serious. Like they were dead serious about this mechanical bull. They would ride it almost full tilt and not get bucked off. I mean, I'm on at uh, two out of 10 and just, you know, I get helicoptered <laughs> off. Anyways, one of them was wearing this t-shirt and keep in mind, this is 1998. And I saw the slogan on the back and it said, hold my beer while I kiss your girlfriend. And I was like, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, it just kind of stuck with me. Hadn't seen it again, hadn't heard the phrase. And in 2005, uh, I was down in Nashville with uh, a guy named Mitch Merritt, who was my guitar player, business partner um, in the industry. And uh, he and I were writing with Derek Rattan, famous songwriter, artist. I mean, the guy's amazing and hell of a guy too. Anyway, so we were down writing with Derek and uh, we were really struggling this one day trying to come up with a title to write. So we call it a hook line in the industry. And, and basically what you want with a hook line is, whatever the title of the song is, that's going to be the hook in your song. So uh, we couldn't come up with one of these lines to save our lives. We had, we, all of us had ideas, but nothing was hitting. So we, we sat there for probably an hour trying to figure out what we were going to write. And it popped into my head, the slogan again, this hold my beer. And I was like, no, no, they'll think I'm an idiot. I can't, I can't say that. They'll think I'm completely stupid. This is ridiculous. This, it's childish. No. And then I blurted it out. I just said, hold my beer while I kiss your girlfriend. Derek just looks at me and he's like, yep, yep. That's what we're writing right there. And then from then on, it just instantly turned into the song two hours later that we're like, this is hilarious. Nobody's going to like this song. We're definitely not recording it, but man, it was fun to write and uh, and pretty pretty humorous. And then um, who who kind of knew that? Uh, and the way I put it was, it's basically an adult um, a, a nursery rhyme. It's like an adult nursery rhyme, really. That's all it is, because it's you know. And it turns <laughs> out I was right because after it turned into a hit, 
it uh i had parents coming up to me nonstop at shows being my two three four-year-old daughter or son loves that song i'm like well that's why it's because it's basically a kid's song for yeah him. those people close down roosters all those kids close down <laughs> roosters to that song <laughs> i had lots of people actually come up and say we met that way yeah my husband now you know basically he had my ex-boyfriend hold his beer i was like that's pretty cool Hey, that, that, that video was even shot at Roosters. I mean, I hate to keep bringing up Roosters, but I mean, the video I believe was shot at Roosters. I've seen that front entrance so many times that oh, yeah. it was. Okay. Oh, no, that one was actually shot. We've used Roosters for different uh, videos. It wasn't a whole that one was actually That was actually Shark Club in Langley. I don't know what it is now, Town Hall oh. or something. Oh. You know, on 88th, right on 88th and just off the highway, there's there used to be a Shark Club at a hotel there. Oh. Honestly, I'm from Coquitlam. I don't like to leave or cross bridges. <laughs> yeah. Mike, shoot. Who's your favorite Canuck? And uh, yeah, who's your favorite Canuck? All time and current. I'll do all time and current. All right. uh, my favorite Canuck all time, I think personality wise. And I, if they're watching, I love Cliff Ronning is one of my heroes for sure because he's He's a little bit taller than me, but man, he's a water bug out there and he's in his fifties and still skates around like he's 18. It's crazy. Um, so, you know, Cliff and Dave Babich, obviously, uh, Yerke Lume, um, uh, Kirk McLean, like I said, the, the list just goes on and on. But my favorite of all time, I have to admit, is Harold Snaps. Harold was, and he's such a great guy. He's a huge country fan too, which I had no idea. We were on a bus uh, on a trip. We just landed from Vancouver and Smithers, went to this tournament up there. And he's like, he's sitting in his seat. He says, Aaron Pritchett, man, I love your music. And I'm going, man, at first I didn't recognize him because he's bald and no mustache. I'm like, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> then I realized it's Snapsy and I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. So he's, he's my all time favorite. But remember, I mean, remember they used to chant Harold in the old oh yeah the old Harry, Harold, Harold. all the time. It was yeah, these young kids him, don't know that. No, him and no, him in the late him and the late Jack Magalhardy. I'll never forget meeting just by shaking their hand, man. Once you shake that guy's hands, yeah. you know you shook a hand. Big yeah. And yeah, Jack Mack was a was a great guy, man. He was, was so oh, yeah. awesome. just got to know him over the last five six years, and what a beauty. Yeah, he was we, a beauty. We, we meet all the guys you mentioned just through traveling around with almost following the alumni because we're good for we're, – we're, we like to watch hockey. I don't give a shit if you played 50 years ago or you're, you're a young kid coming out to play for the Giants. I'm going to go watch you play hockey. That's right. Yeah, same thing for me, you know. <clears throat> even, you know, looking at all these older players that are in their 70s and 80s that, that actually still come out and play, you know. Uh, Gary Monahan, Mondo, he comes out and plays with us, and he's in his 70s. Of course, he looks like he's in his 40s because he, he does <laughs> every day, but he's in incredible shape. But they can still skate, and, and the thing about them is it's not so much um, that they're super fast. They are still quick on their feet, not anywhere near what they used to be, but their hockey smarts are so incredible. Like, they're, they're putting pucks in places that I have no idea, and I've played my entire life but I'm not seeing it go there. That's why they played in the NHL because they were that good up here too. And when you, you put your stick down, the puck is on your stick. And if you don't score, that's your fault because they did the right thing. And it's usually the case. That's why your favorite about. current Canuck then. Go ahead. My current favorite Canuck. Uh, I, I, I love watching Petey because he's so quick and, and 
for a guy who looks so gangly and like you know he looks like he's kind of like a you know a stick man but he get he, i can't believe how quick he is and how his release is not only quick but it's super accurate but uh i, I mean i love watching bo bo's uh he's the heart and soul of that team and he is the new trevor linden of the uh of the 80s and 90s and um yeah or 90s and 2000s but uh yeah, I, I, the list is is pretty good. JT Miller's uh, one of my favorites as well. Um, you know, it was sad losing uh, losing Marky, but I uh, hope he's a friend of mine, and I'm very happy to see him come to this this town. Yeah. And hope hope he's a guy that I'm not even mad at that one. The only one no. that I'm mad the only one that I'm mad about is losing to Foley because we traded Tyler Madden for him. Yeah, yeah, but I guess you know that's that's the that's the. The business and that's the way it goes and i know that we're gonna it'll it'll come back we'll get something back for Tufoli. and holby i know is very happy to be coming here for sure and like you said i think he was just unhappy in washington even though he won a cop and i think he was just sort of stagnant and now this is going to be a real rejuvenation for him and I'm, i hope he has a, a big season whenever that starts yeah, i, I can't wait to see his warm-ups he's got some solid warm-ups yeah yeah <laughs> another big canuck fan is uh dallas smith do you know him I know Dallas very well, yeah. Oh, okay. He loves his Canucks, too. He met Don Cherry in person one time. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Dallas is a massive, massive Canucks fan. He knows – He see, Dallas is very – he's a very smart man. Like, he's very intelligent. And when he does his homework on something, he does his homework. Like, he dissects it. So, he is a numbers guy. Um, and uh, what's it? Corsi? Is that what those the, – Yeah, Corsi yeah. stats, yeah. So he does Corsi stats. He does all these different things for different sports. And um, he he's the funny thing about Dallas. I don't know if you've, have you had Dallas on the show? No, no I, I really want to. So hard to. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll recommend it to him. They come, he comes on the show, but when you have him on the show, um, tell him that I said that he is probably one of the very best ball hockey players I've ever seen. He can't skate with shit. He's there, <laughs> but he's got smarts. And if he he could have been, you know, a, a player, one of those players that would have done well if he had learned, you know, how to play hockey and uh, like actual skating, like an that. Alex Burroughs ball hockey yeah. guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and that's what it is. So tell Dallas if you if you get him on the show, tell him I said it that uh, he's one of the best ball hockey, street hockey players I've ever seen. We've, we've tried. We're going to have to use your reference to get us on that one. We've, I've, tri- I've tried. I've done everything I can possible to get him. So I'll, I'll do it. I can't, for you. I can't promise, but I'll do it. Yeah, we're, we're, That's, that'd be great. We're a huge fan. Mike, Mike's seen him like 10 times. I've seen him a few times as well. Excellent. Appreciate it. Mike. What's your uh, favorite song that you've ever been part of? Oh, that I've ever been part of. Well, I mean, anything that I've written, I guess, Hold My Beer kind of is up there and it sounds cliche, but honestly, the reason why is because uh, of the impact that it had. I didn't realize that it was going to be any sort of a hit. I didn't think anybody would like it, like I said. And it turns out that everybody from uh, little children to my own 85-year-old grandmother loves the song. So, you know, you've done right when you have a song that uh, translates like that and captures an audience of such a huge age range. Um, And it's fun as hell to play on stage, man. Like, to be able to have people, uh, what typically has happened over the the past, well, 15 years since I wrote the song, 
is we would leave after doing our show. We wouldn't do Hold My Beer. We'd walk off stage, hoping, always hoping, never expecting, hoping to get an encore. And every show, every single show, it's always Hold My Beer, Hold My Beer, over and over and over again. So that, that has to be my top favorite song that I've, I've written and as well as uh, uh, recorded and been the artist on. And I'm always that, you're the Hold My Beer guy? Wow. Oh, yeah. Mike, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to yeah. shoot. Do you have a favorite movie? I do. You don't know it yet? No, no, I don't. Is that a trick question? Well, no, I get asked that a lot. I wasn't, I, I, it's not something that I post on my website or anything, but uh, my favorite movie by far is Slapshot. And I remember seeing that when I was a kid and like, even because I was playing hockey for several years at that point when I saw it, I'm like, this is freaking bang on, man. There's no movie like this that is as close to without, you know, it's, it's obviously pretty, uh, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of embellished somewhat, but really the, everybody's skating, everybody's, you know, playing hockey. And I, I thought it was just an amazing movie and funny it, as hell. It reminds me of the New West Bruins. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Actually, uh, I talked to some of the guys, especially Bernie Pascal, who was uh, on BCTV Legendary, and, yeah. as uh, the sportscaster forever. And Bernie and I have chatted several times. And he said that movie, when that came out, that was as real to, uh, you know, the, well, it was, there was a few, New West Bruins, it always reminded him of. And the Broad Street Bullies, the Philly, Philly teams in the 70s. They're, he said that's what they were like. You never wanted to go play them. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have any It would be scary playing for – Go, Mike. Oh, you're Mike, you froze on that one, and we're going to have to edit that, write that shit down on the timeline. Uh, <laughs> do you have any pre-show pre rituals? Yeah, there's one in particular that my band absolutely hates, but I love it, uh, is uh, we do a shot of fireball. And it makes them cringe every time. And each time they say, this is the last time we do this. And we did a tour of, uh, we did one tour that was 35 shows in 40 days. And then another one that was 28 in 32 days or something like that. And each of these tours, every night we did a shot right before going on stage. And they just absolutely hated it and still hates to this day we just did a show in uh, uh tp creek alberta just north of grand prairie an outdoor show drive-in show and uh they had to do they had to do their fireball so that's the one thing um other than that we sing we do a singing you know warm-up we call it we just do these vocal warm-ups where we're singing my songs and uh but then what starts as being you know the actual versions of my song acoustically uh, turns into other songs and they just fall apart. It's hilarious. We just turn them into different genres. We turn them into different feelings and, and sing them stupid and crazy. And it's hilarious. And you've been in a few movies. As I well. love my fireball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you love your fireball. Oh boy. And you've been in a few movies as well though, right? <clears throat> yeah, I've been in several. Um, uh, you know, when I first started out, I was doing little tiny parts and, and then I got a couple of uh, bigger speaking roles. And, and originally, um, that's where the entertainment side of me comes in. When I was a kid, uh, I loved hockey. Hockey was my first true love. I still say that. 
Um, but if I was going to do anything for a career, I always thought I was going to be an actor. So I, I got into acting when I was young and really enjoyed it. But then once I got the taste of, of playing live, uh, singing, and that all developed, <clears throat> it was instant reaction from a crowd, as opposed to, you know, pretending to be somebody else on film. And then, you know, the movie or, or TV show or whatever comes out six, eight months, year later. And you're just like, yeah, that was cool. Now you moved on to the next project. As opposed to going, I'm playing at Calgary Stampede tonight, tomorrow night, I'm going to be in Sudbury, Ontario. The night after that, I'm going to be in, you know, and you see these live crowds of thousands of people and you just, that's, that's the feeling that I love. So I gravitated to, more towards that, but I did a little bit parts. I was at a Christmas movie that gets played every year on like the W network. Yeah, no, no shit. I saw it when I Googled it. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find your parts though. I couldn't find the parts on the exact movie. I tried to watch it, but I couldn't scroll through. And plus, uh, we'll cut this part out. I was on company time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, the, movie, the movie is called uh, Coming Home for Christmas, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah, Coming Home for Christmas. And it's myself and George Cannon's in it. He's kind of the lead uh, male and uh, or the father in it and then uh brit and carly mckillop who are one more girl so they're from maple ridge they're ranch girls i remember oh. seeing one of your one of your shows it was unreal at uh rock and river mission uh and was oh, it yeah. the, John, the johnny reed year crystal shawanda brent lee band right. you guys i remember it well yeah i remember i think we opened for crystal shawanda that night as a matter yes. of fact it yep. was 2010 and i was uh uh it was sort of this transition period for me because I all I hadn't released my new album yet. It was coming out in October, but we were playing some of the music from it. And no matter what, I mean, we can showcase all the new music and people might like it, but everybody still has just constantly been, you know, play, play the bigger hits, play uh, Let's Get Rowdy, play uh, yep. Light It Up. And that, Light It Up was actually a new song at that time. And then Hold My Beer is the one that everybody wants to hear. So, and... You guys, uh, you've, you've been to shows, like you said, so you know that we uh, we do our little medley at the end before we actually kick into Hold My Beer. We, we go through a bunch of songs that most people wouldn't expect us to do. So that's the most fun part. Yeah, you do yeah. the cover songs. Yeah, we'll do pieces, snippets of uh, of cover songs. And then, you know, in this last one, we did all 90s. And, it was, okay. and we still do it whenever we do full band shows. Did you do California Love? No. Okay, I thought I maybe one time thought I seen you. Tupac? You're yeah. talking the Tupac song? Yeah. No, no, we did. Oh, we did some other. I can't remember. We've done so many now. Honestly. Yeah. Well, we never what's did. the Brent? What's the Brent Lee band up to these days? Brent Lee. You know what? He's still playing. I. I, I mean, there's no clubs open anymore. Gabby's just shut down now too for good. Uh, Boone County closed down years ago and Roosters closed two years ago. So it's really sad times. Um, and Gabby's closed because of COVID, but Brent, Brent Lee was one of those guys where he was, he was definitely a hero to me growing up, um, when I was playing in the clubs because he was the, all the rage. He was the guy that was, you know, the biggest country act in the bars and won every year as, you know, country act of the year, country bar band of the year. And uh, I, I aspired to be him and do what he did. And then, you know, cause he had taken it to the next level at one point. And, <clears throat> you know, Brent, Brent uh, uh, played in the bars for, I think almost 30 years. 
So, I mean, I love Brent's. I love all those guys that played in the bars forever, but that was just not something that I wanted to do for too long. 10 years was enough, 11 years. <laughs> for sure, for enough, sure. But <laughs> There's a time and a place. <laughs> but like I said, I do miss those those times. It was an, a much easier time. Um, sometimes, sometimes I think, you know, a decent amount of money. Mike, next question's on you. Yeah, your son, <laughs> is your son uh, still doing music as well? Yeah, so here's the thing. I have three sons. That I okay. And of the three, uh, <laughs> so my, old, to that. my oldest son, Jordan, I wish I had a beer, but my buddy was over and he drank all my freaking beer. Anyway, um, so my oldest son, Jordan, is uh, he was originally doing his own, uh, he's, he originally was in a metal band, then got into a rock band, then he played lead guitar for uh, favorite Chris rock Buck. eight years. What about Chris Buck, our buddy? Oh, Chris is great. But uh, but we're talking about Jordan, my son. And and then he met his girlfriend, Danielle, uh, Danielle Marie, and she was a country singer and they met at a songwriting thing. And then we were telling them, you guys should start a duo, start a duo. And they finally gave in after three years together going, maybe we should start a duo. Cross parallel. So cross parallel is their duo. Yeah. So, but what a lot of people don't know yet is that my uh, two younger sons, Braden and Mason, Braden's 24 and uh, Mason's just turned 18. Uh, the two of them have an incredible duo, not country. It's like rap, soul, R&B. It's crazy. You guys have to check it out. Uh, they're called Atlantis One and they've written everything. They've recorded everything at their, at, uh, their house in the studio that we built. Um, but yeah, Atlantis One is all one word, and it's the word one, so Atlantis O N E. So we'll look have to up. check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, like I said, it's not country, but the appreciation for it, and it's all real stories from their life. And they took a break recently, and I said, "Well, how come you guys stop recording?" And they said, uh, "Because we have to, we have to make more stories. We're running out of stories to tell here." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." So they got about 18 songs, I think it is, on uh, iTunes and Spotify, and look I them up. I used to be an A&R, so I understand, and there's a lot of local stuff. I didn't just do hip-hop. Remember, I, I was mentioned to you in a message today that at one point I reached out to you on Twitter maybe 10 years ago when you were in your, like, your call peak. I still think you're fucking awesome. But the, the, uh, in your peak, I reached out to you to try to collaborate with my Dominican artist and make a reggae country oh. song. It would have been cool. Uh, yeah, I was, again, that was my transition period where, you know, things were starting to sort of take a little bit of a nosedive for, for a few years. But, uh, and I was just, believe me, I was doing everything I could to stay above the water, really. So, uh, but that, that's you, awesome. Thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate that, man. And you just dropped your new song too, which I really like. Thanks. Yeah, never seen me like this. Um, it's been out for a while. And unfortunately, uh, when it first came out, um, it was the first official real week of COVID uh, hitting us. So a lot of people went into quarantining and the radio station sort of just put it all on hold. We don't know what's going on with the world right now. We don't even know if we're going to be alive as a human race in the next two weeks. Uh, so everybody panicked and uh, the single didn't do as well as I was hoping, but I don't really care. It's not about that for me anymore. It's about just still getting music out to, uh, to fans because they, they want music from me, which is great. So on Spotify, the numbers are huge. Uh, on yep. 
uh, downloads on iTunes and Google Play and all that. The, the numbers are huge. So that's what I'm, I'm happy is that people are listening and liking it. So I appreciate and that. And it's on, it's on JR quite a bit. Good. I love hearing that because yeah. Yeah. it's my local station. And the first time I had a single played on JR, it was... Uh, what did that feel like? I was jumping around, man. I was jumping on my my uh, couch and <laughs> screaming, and ah, it was it was uh, April of uh, two thousand. It was a song called um, uh, "Wasn't Young in Love." It was uh, "Heart Like a Hurricane." It was called. And anyway, they called me. Um, they said, "Hey, uh, this is Susan Sierra from JR. Uh, we just have a question for you." I'm like, "Oh, hi. Okay, cool." She goes, "How do you pronounce your last name?" We can't figure out how the fuck to pronounce your last name. I was like, oh. She goes, well, is it Pritchett or is it Prichet? I said, oh, she said, we have a bet going on in the office. I said, well, nobody wins because it's Prichet. She said, oh, okay. I said, like Corvette. Oh, Pritch is it pitch. S is Corvette. So she got it right after. Everybody got it right after that. We basically started this podcast in June. And we've been killing it and having all these big name guests on. But you had corn tunes and you did it before us. And you had guests on that were sports people. You had music guests on and all. Who is your favorite guest you had on your show? I think my favorite guest that I, I had was uh, Jillian Harris because she was the first oh, official her. guest. Bachelorette. Yeah, Bachelorette. Yeah, and, uh, and, and love her list in Vancouver. Um, She's a really good, her and her husband, Justin, are really great friends of mine. Uh, they're, we're like family, actually. Honestly, we're that, uh, I love them. They're just incredible people. Anyway, she was my first guest and she said, here, here's how you do it. Cause I didn't know how to do it. And I, I uh, got her to tune in. She's in the bathtub. Well, she wasn't in the bathtub herself, but she was <laughs> in the bath. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is really Don't get cool. him too excited. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I got, a, I, got, I got a special spot for Julian Harris ever since I didn't get on The Bachelor to win her heart. Oh, you, you, got, you got a chance still. Don't worry. Hey, well, <laughs> I might need hey, a good word from you, buds. Hey, right, Aaron, we don't, Aaron, we don't want to rush you, but uh, we have another uh, show coming up here. Uh, we just yep. want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time for us. You're honestly a, the biggest beauty we've had on here, and uh, we can't wait to listen to the rest of your music for the rest of your career, man. Awesome, guys. Love you. Thanks for uh, having me, and I hope to do it again with you guys sometime.